here we are. It is, guys, do you realize that this is like our 10th episode? Wow. Do you realize that it is Christmas Day? What? what? Oh, Merry Christmas. Is that what Merry all Christmas. that noise is about? Yeah. The, the, did you hear the sleigh bells? Oh, <laughs> Santa. Jing, jing, jingling too? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, that's why all, there's all this reindeer dropping. <laughs> In the lane, yeah. snow is glistening? Smell, smells terrible, I know. Could be worse. <laughs> Could be the Easter Bunny. Well, if you're listening and avoiding your family, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you know, this is like something to do when you don't have any family to see at Christmas. You can listen Aww. to your podcast, so we're happy yeah. to <laughs> try to make this yeah. hard time a little easier for you. But uh, And if that's you, good news, we have a book that has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. This uh, episode uh, guaranteed almost completely Christmas-free, other than that first part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Trade Waiters. <laughs> Uh, today's episode is going to be on Finder Voice by Carlos Speed McNeil. But before we get any further into that book, we should have a spoiler warning. <coughs> so, um, if you have not read this book, you might want to, because we're going to tell you what happens in it right now. Okay. The butler did it. What? <laughs> uh, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a butler did a do butler something. A butler did do something, yes. Right at the end of the book, too. May have involved murder. Or attempted murder. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we, ha- we have a... Um, yeah. Character revealing question, you say? Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> Today's character revealing question is going to be, was there ever an opportunity that you missed out on that would have been great if you'd got it? Okay, so uh, I'll jump in and do it first, because I have one solidly in my mind. Okay, Uh, My name is Angela Mellick, and uh, the opportunity that I missed out on was in high school, uh, I was extended an opportunity to go on a tour of an engineer's, well, like a future engineer's tour of China, Uh, and it would have been super cool, and we would have gotten to see the Three Gorges Dam region before it was flooded, but it got cancelled due to SARS, and I'm still pissed about it, to be (laughs) honest. Oh, man. (laughs) Would have been worth it for, for the SARS. Ah, SARS. The risk of SARS, <laughs> not the actual SARS. I did it for the SARS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Kathleen. Sure. I'm Kathleen Gross, and uh, I had the opportunity to, in grade 12 to go on a trip down to New York with uh, my best friend and my best friend's mom and my mom, and I just had really bad anxiety because... We were going to have to take, like, a week off school, and it was just, like, making me so anxious I was almost sick, so I couldn't go on the trip. Like, I had to ask them that we not do it, because it was just making me so deeply anxious, and I really regret that, because that would have been a really, really fun thing to do. Okay. Jeff? Um, well, uh, I think a recent opportunity that really, um nagged at me for a while is uh, when I did my trip to uh, Europe last year uh, I booked a ticket to ride on the London Eye and 
I booked all my itinerary, wrote all my notes in my calendar, and then the travel agent phoned me to let me know that the day I'd booked for the eye was going to be under maintenance, and they were going to have to move the day. And so I like acknowledged, like, okay, so we're moving the day, sure, sounds good. And I didn't write any of that down. And so then I went through my whole trip and had a great time and then the day I was supposed to go to the London Eye I went down and like it was under maintenance and I then my brain was like yeah you were supposed to do that like three (laughs) days ago you knew that too and then you didn't do it and that I don't know and a lot of people like oh London Eye it's like a tourist trap who cares but it was like I managed to sort of check all these other tourist boxes through the whole trip and I even paid the money and then I just didn't (laughs) do it at all and that was like uh, something that uh, it almost if I hadn't been careful that almost would have ruined the whole trip for me but I sort of had to like work through that and be like no 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 like, it was, overall it was a really good trip but I missed a chance to ride the London Eye okay if it makes oh, you feel I, any better I lived in London for a year and I didn't ever went on the London Eye well there we go <laughs> it's <laughs> okay I did it when I was a kid it was pretty like I don't know I was like a I don't know I guess I was like 10 or 11 it was pretty like awe inspiring but I mean, whatever. That was 10 oh. or 11-year-old Catherine. Okay. What does she know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, I went to London, and I didn't even consider going on the island. Oh, so there we go. Either. Whoa. There Whoa. we go. Awesome. It's uh, like a big old Ferris wheel. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Did, did I introduce myself, by the way? I don't remember. I'm Jeff Who Ellis, are you? just in case. Okay. I feel Same like answer. I didn't introduce myself last time, too. So I'm <laughs> no, just the guy answer. that just gives answers. Ugh, okay. it's fine. <laughs> Whoa. You're the narrator. Yeah. <laughs> the protagonist. <laughs> Hero protagonist. Oh, man. Ew. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, I have a story. I'm, let's see, let me do the short version of this story. So in about uh, 2000 and... must have been 2008, I had uh, just finished a graphic novel, uh, and it was really well-received at uh, the Portland convention, Stumptown, which no longer exists. But um, I actually got in contact with an agent that uh, that convention, a very excellent agent who is the agent for some pretty amazing books, and she was going to take my book around to book publishers. And this was amazing, groundbreaking stuff. This was amazing. Uh, also, it was amazing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so she took it around to, to book publishers, and it was kind of getting like the lukewarm response. But you know, she was still hopeful that something was going to come of this. But then the economy crashed, and people wouldn't even talk to her. And I had a friend who was actually at the same convention with the book, and he got the same agent the same day, uh, and he had she was taking his book around too to, to publishers, and his book got in by the skin of his teeth to the point where he had to uh, frantically email um, the, the agent to find out, have they actually signed the piece of paper? Because no one is publishing anything right now, and if they've signed this piece of paper, I get to make my book. And if they haven't, I don't. Hmm. And uh, so he, he got his book signed. And it's a really good book, so I'm glad it got made. But I had nothing. And then at one point she just said, okay, well, no one's publishing anything. You might as well just self-publish it because, like, there's nothing else. And it turned out, turned out pretty well because I got a zero grant to pay for it. But, yeah, that was my you, missed opportunity. You didn't tell the most awesome part of that story, though. I left out the most awesome part of the story. <laughs> that involves Scott McCloud. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to name drop. Holding your book above his head okay. and saying, Hey, everybody, look, if you're going to publish a Mesoamerican uh, folktale, 
this is the format you publish it in. Basically, yeah. Did that actually happen? Yes. Yeah, that happened. It was, it was Scott I didn't make that up. He hooked me up with his name. Yeah, with no, I, well, I knew okay. it was that. Yeah. But I knew it was that, but yeah, yeah, I no, didn't know that, that really happened. happened. That's pretty. That awesome. happened in your life. It's so surreal. I know. <laughs> I, I think I think I think that um, name dropping that Scott McCloud was impressed with your book format okay. is an appropriate amount of name dropping. Okay. I mean, if you can't do it here, where can you do it? I guess so. That's true. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this book. Yeah. Uh, I picked this book. I really like this book. Uh, Finder is one of my favorite comic series of all time. Uh, I actually discovered it relatively late, and when I first started reading the the series, I was kicking myself for not having started reading it sooner, because this is basically, uh, Carla Speed McNeil is doing everything in comics that I want to do, only she's doing it so well, and and this this is the kind of stuff I wish I could make. Voice is one of the volumes in the series. It's, uh, I picked it because it's probably one of the more accessible volumes. The first several volumes have been recollected into great big thick uh, books. It's called the Finder Library and let me tell you, they are like five inches thick and I was mad disappointed when this <laughs> was not part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those books are great. You should totally read them, I'm but they're a little big. They're so heavy. <laughs> they, they are. Don't read them all at once. <laughs> you, can get them on, you can get them on like the Kindle. I know, but I already have the physical. Or book. on <laughs> Comixology, which is okay. where I got okay. my copy of The Voice. All right. But um, like, I wouldn't want to use the Finder Library as a trade waiter's recommendation because it's, it's a lot to get through. Too much to cover in a single episode. And this is, uh, it works standalone, I hope. Uh, like, I've read all the previous books, so I don't know if anyone has not read those, and I would be interested in their experience. Uh, Angela just put her hand up, so. Well, yeah, me but, too. Okay. I, I, okay. This was my introduction to the Finder universe. Great, good. Okay. So I've, I've read about, like, a third of that giant Finder library book, and uh, I vaguely remember it. <laughs> so okay. I, I feel pretty fresh coming into this, where it's like I recognize the... Uh, the Wanderer character. Jaeger. Mm. Jaeger, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recognize that he is a person. <laughs> and okay. I mean, like by the end of it, I'm like, oh, is this the... Okay. So I think I understand the connection to that okay. book, yeah. but okay. and my memory is so bad. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as John, where this is like one of my absolute top favorite like comics of all time, and this is probably mm. my favorite book within the series, so I was very excited when you chose mm. it. Um I just, like, happened to pick up one of the Finder, other Finder books at, like, TCAF in 2009 or 2010, when Carlos P. McNeil was there. Um, She just, like, pitched, you know, the book, did her table spiel, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pick one up. So I picked up the one that's based on the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I've, like, I've read them all, so I don't actually have very good perspective on how all this stands alone, but I love this book. Yeah. I really, really love it. Uh, So maybe I should give a little little summary of this book in particular. Please do. Uh, So this book is about Rachel Grosvenor, a teenager living in a domed city in the distant future where privilege and status are everything. In order to win the place she thinks she deserves, she has to win a beauty pageant, negotiate the Byzantine cultural mores of her clan, and find her family's stolen ring. For that, she needs a finder, specifically the half-Aboriginal Jaeger heirs, the on-again, off-again boyfriend of her mother, but he doesn't have an address or a phone number. He only shows up when you don't expect him. Uh, and, oh, we did we do our spoiler alert? Yes. Okay, we did. Then I can tell you he doesn't actually ever show up in the story. I thought those were really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually. Yeah, I like that as a way of, like, 
she has to solve this herself. Yeah. Like, she mm-hmm. knows there's this guy who can fix everything, like, easy, because this is what he does. Uh, and even the fact that what she needs is to find something, like this thing that's been stolen, uh, and it would be really easy. He could just show up and he could find it, no problem. But he's not there. And all her efforts to find him don't work, because she's not a finder. So um, she has to figure out her own way to solve this. And it does get solved enough uh, in a very weird sort of mm-hmm. elaborate way, but uh, certainly not in the way I don't think uh, I expected reading it or uh, she expected it as a character or anyone else in the story would have expected. Yeah, no, it was... Um, the whole thing was very unexpected. <laughs> um, which I mean that in the most positive way. Um, I... Didn't know anything about this going in, and this was a real pleasure. Um, it was really interesting. Um, I actually, it's funny. I um, leading up to this episode, I was just finishing up my comic class at Langara, and I was writing a lesson for world building, and I was trying to cite examples of good world building, and I posted it. A tweet where I said, hey, comic friends, what's an example of good world building in comics? And I think about two or three people, like, immediately just sent me, like, a one-word tweet that was, like, finder, (laughs) finder, finder, like, (laughs) gotta read finder. And I referenced it, but I felt silly because during my lecture I was talking about this series Finder and not actually knowing what it was about, so it's got good world building. I can't really tell you about the world, but (laughs) it's supposed to be good. So reading this, um, yeah, wow. Really amazing world building, and now I feel like I can speak a lot more intelligently about that next time. Um, Yeah, this was was a real pleasure to read. Um, And uh, I really like the the draftsmanship in the art as well, like the the inking, her the hatching. Oh my hatching god, is like buttery. <laughs> I can't understand so how she smooth. will cross hatch so evenly across such a large area. It's gorgeous. It's really <laughs> mm-hmm. like scary. I'm like, how? <laughs> but yeah, I would agree. The draftsmanship in this is, book is just phenomenal. And yeah, if, if we're gonna be doing our, our roundtable, sure, positive or negatives, yeah, I I thought this book was really great. I wish I had time to read it another two or three times. Because it is a very dense work, right? Mm. Yeah, you get more out of it, I think, the more times you read it. I think so. I think so. And you can tell, right? So it's not to say that I didn't understand it. I feel like I would understand more if I read it again. Uh, There's obviously a lot going on, and I'm pretty sure I don't have a 100% understanding of what happened, especially lacking the context of the rest of the world. There are footnotes. There are. I One of my read favorite things. Oh my god! Things is reading Carla Speaking Deal's footnotes. Yeah, I, I think say. John and I are like nerdy about this yeah. series <laughs> the same way. Like we've bonded over this series. He lent me and my roommate all of his copies of the books uh, during the summer or last year or something. And like Mara and I were like trading them back and forth, reading oh, them. Nice. Did you get to this part? Oh, we <laughs> talk about Jaeger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love that there are footnotes in this these books because the world she builds is so interesting and like it doesn't prescribe to the same um, standards and, like, uh, systems that our world does. Like, I really... Oh, my God, I love when gender functions differently in science fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think just it just makes me so happy because yeah. <laughs> it's it's a deliberate choice and, and you're not being boring and ordinary because we're like interpolated into a binary system of genders um so i like it when it like you know 
uh, gets uh, a bit different. So I really like that this focused on the Laverick clan, which is kind of my favorite clan, I think, out of all the clans. They're definitely the, the characters. The yeah. Grosvenor sisters and their mother are the m- most fleshed out characters in the whole series. Yes. Even more so than Jaeger, who's kind of a mystery all the way through. Yeah, mm. yeah. Jaeger is sort of there to tie everything together, but you never... Yeah. Oh wait, you haven't read Third World yet. Uh, no, I haven't. There's books I haven't read. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Sorry. Not <laughs> to get sidetracked. Okay, let's not spoil books that come out of We already what had the spoiler warning. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, just, no, no. I'm just saying Third World. <laughs> Interestingly, it's in color, but also things happen and it ends on a cliffhanger and talk to Mara. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> I really love this series. I don't know if you can tell. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I... So good! (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, alright, so maybe... What, since we are, we did establish, we can do a little bit of spoiling of this book. What what happens in this book? Let's walk through it a little bit. Okay, so it starts out, the the focus is on Rachel, who is uh, 18, I guess. And we've known... Uh, her and her siblings from previous books since they were um, children, basically their whole lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this is she's reached a point where this is sort of um, I'm not even sure what you would describe it as because it's, it's a very specific cultural thing that doesn't actually exist in the real. Yeah, world. it's kind of like a coming of age status thing. Like within the society, there are um, clans within a city that control like a lot of power and privilege. But there was a treaty passed uh, years and years ago called, I think, the Pax Lares, I think yeah. it's called, where um, only uh, a specific number of people can be, like, basically card-carrying clan members. But, you know... Yeah, um, and the clans are very... They're, they're like show dogs. They're bred for specific genetic traits. They all look virtually identical to each other. So if you're, like, Laverick, um, you present in what we would consider female, regardless of whether or not um, your sex is quote-unquote female um, and you're, you know, slender and willowy and you have the curlyish hair. And, and they all have breasts. Did I figure that yeah. out? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So regardless of sex, they all have breasts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and, like, gender will be referred to differently. Like, just because someone's being given female pronouns doesn't mean that necessarily their sex is female and it'll change, you know, depending um, like, uh, in the footnotes, there's, uh, sorry, I keep dropping books. Um, in the footnotes, there's, like, a comment that one of the Lavericks is being referred to as dad doesn't mean that they're actually the dad, um, mm. you know. Yeah, the, uh, the Lavericks don't care about, yeah. uh, gender pronouns. Lynn, who is, um, Rachel's sister, gets, you know, referred to as a brother or a sister, depending on who's speaking, and sometimes just depending on mood, um, and will get gendered differently, depending, um... When yes, was so. this? When was this book um, originally published? By the way, uh, the series started in 1996. Wow! So I feel like to deal with things like this in 1996 is oh, yeah. kind of like yeah. earth shattering. Uh, I will say that my first exposure to the idea of gender fluidity, let's say, was in Finder. Mm. So. And it's pretty. It's pretty tastefully executed. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Really I, interesting. Like I, it's obviously it's a science fiction world that doesn't exactly match with the kind of things you're going to see in 2015, mm-hmm. but it's believable in a way, like this is another culture in the distant future, but it definitely ties in closely with what we might experience in 2015, and mm. you can relate to it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, so, like, back to what the plot is starting off as with this, like, thing is, um, uh, the sort of children of the clan members have to kind of petition to get into the clan, and depending on which clan you're in, like, um, the Medwars are the sort of medical and police clan, mm -hmm. um, so they have to pass exams for that. Um, the the, the Grossmanner's sister's father is Medwar clan. He's the crazy guy in the hospital. Yeah, okay, so I don't understand that. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I knew, I, I picked, up, I picked up on the fact that they were not full right. Labarack, and there yeah. was some kind of reason why there was a risk mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be accepted, but I did not understand why Rachel was allowed to compete, but her s younger sister was automatically considered a cull. Uh, I, I think it's based on their looks. They don't look Labarack She enough. had She like, had glasses. Okay, so, so Rachel is quote-unquote passing. Yeah. 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 Um, would you kind of... At least what I figured out from like reading the book and then the footnotes, while a rod is not Rachel's biological father, she she is she does like Rachel does have a biological father who is Laverick, not Medawar. And that was is what I oh was that rod oh. or not? Uh, that's in the footnotes, but like oh. in the end notes. Um, like I missed that. There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, when I read it the second time, like for this podcast, I intentionally skipped the footnotes. Because as much as I like the footnotes, I want to know, like, I want to be able to experience you it. You want to stick them. to canon. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I read the footnotes because okay. I love that stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not really explained very well. But, yeah, Rachel's trying to get into this Laverick clan and their way, uh, because they are very much the, like, aesthetic clan where things They're are the very much about, like, appearances and drama and art and you know, frivolous things. Um, theirs is a beauty pageant where you're trying to look like the specific Laverick ideal, so all of the candidates look almost identical. So mm. the way I, I, I kind of interpret it is like, it's like, okay, so she's a debutante mm -hmm. uh, yes. auditioning for the Rockettes, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> she has to be between 5'5 five, five and 5'3, five, and she has yeah. to fit this kind of profile, yeah. you know? But the prize is she gets to be a duchess. Yeah. Right. Own property, and not only own property, but be able to help out the rest of her family who don't have any status. And yeah. be able to go to college without having somebody else sponsor her or sort of like have ownership over right. her. Um, basically gives her autonomy within the yeah. society. Like this yeah. is one of the things that I find most interesting about the this world and this volume in particular is how much of it is around status and privilege and mm -hmm. uh, nothing is com nothing is like simple. So yeah. Rachel has a certain level of privilege just by being a member of her clan and coming from the right background and being able to even compete in this competition, where there's other people who have nothing, yeah. like far less than she has. Yeah. And but it's really even what she has like isn't enough to secure her future. She needs more. It's really, really fascinating to me, too, how she leverages that, pri that privilege, mm. right? I find the character of Rachel quite interesting, actually, and really well fleshed out. She's very resourceful. So it's, it's so funny how she spends all her time trying to find the finder, right? Mm -hmm. But she's really, really resourceful in the way that she navigates the world in order to do so. Mm -hmm. And at times, you know, she, she's conscious of her privilege and she uh, leverages that privilege in order to get what she wants. And other times, she's uh, maybe unconscious of her privilege and then she's faced with the ramifications of having leveraged it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, that's really, really interesting to me. Like, I, I really like, there's this one scene where um, she winds up getting taken into a police station, and that's sort of an <laughs> interesting point where you kind of see her privilege and, like, the ramifications of some of her earlier decisions in the book, because she's in there with this, like, butler guy who is not affiliated with, affiliated with a clan and is, indentur is an indentured servant um, to somebody else, and he's, he's there because he was doing something he shouldn't have been, and he can't just, like, waltz out of the police station. Like, he has to wait for his master to come pick him up, and Rachel just gets up and goes, like, 
I am in the middle of my examinations. I have to go do something else. This is garbage. And just like waltzes right out. But yeah. then there's the added layer of I think in that same scene she sees the um, is it Asians or Ascians? Uh, As- I think. As- um, it never tells the us. Ar- like I read it as like um, Asian. Yeah. yeah I read, okay. Let's. But Asian, whatever. Um, she called the cops on some Asians fighting in a train earlier in the book mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like, okay, that problem's dealt with. Yeah, and then solved. She sees them in the police station then and she's like, oh, did I do that? And it comes back again, mm-hmm. I mean, after that. Yeah. Uh, but if we can p- take a pause here, I want yeah. that reminded me that that specific moment where she's like, "I have something to do." It's like it's lettered in a very particular <laughs> way, where like Carla puts these uh, these little curls on the eye, which makes it that particular <laughs> way of pronouncing that, and it's just so effective and so beautiful. And uh, throughout the work, Carla's lettering is quite expressive and quite mm-hmm. beautiful. But oh, that yeah. is probably my like most in-your-face yeah. example. There's this like one. Um, on page 134, there's this panel where um, Rachel's, like, kind of inebriated, yeah. and I really like the sequence where she's inebriated in the way Carla draws it, but there's this panel in the bottom left of 134 where it's a worm's eye view of Rachel walking down the street, and the text box, because there's voiceover narration, um, skews in perspective to be, like, worm's eye view as if it were, like, physically hanging in the space, yeah. and it just kind of oh, yeah. helps, like, amplify this feeling of being... Like, when you're inebriated in this distorted space. Um, yeah. And there's a nice panel later on where she's dancing with the Asians in the... Um, oh, yeah, it's right there where she's dancing in this convenience store with uh, the Asians and she's totally out of it, and her body is just pulled, stretched, and elongated and, like, clearly weighted at the bottom. And that it's like, whole oh, sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole so sequence was like, incredible. It's like... Yeah. Uh, co- hashtag goals, right? Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... the, 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 the feelings throughout this like it's so well told right like you just it it sucks you into this world and you really i don't know i i will say like um i I think it's interesting like realizing there's this whole big series that this is a small piece of because i will say being like an uninitiated reader like i was very happy with all of this like i don't know the backstory of all of these clans and I felt like I learned enough that this all made sense Mm -hmm. and it ended at a point that was satisfactory enough that I would be happy to just walk away and if if you told me that this was the only work that was ever done in this finder world I would be like oh cool that was a great story like to know that there's more is exciting like there's more to read but I I mean I think from my perspective I felt like this is a really perfect uh, entry book for yeah. the Finder mm-hmm. universe. Well, one of the sorry. Well, one of the things I love about this series is that um, McNeil manages to have each book be kind of a complete arc, uh, its own thing that can stand alone. Like the different books follow different characters and will be at different points in their lives. Like there's some books where Rachel's a child. There's some where she's like this one where she's more of an adult. Um, yeah, it jumps back and and ones where you don't mm. see Rachel at all. You're in a completely different part of the world doing something completely different. So they're nice to go together because you don't have to read them in order. You don't have to read them all. Um, you can just read one and, and go away, or you can read a whole bunch and then not read others. Like it's a very interesting series to get into because you don't have. There's no one right way to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I read them all out of order. John hasn't read them all. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And we love them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I really did appreciate this kind of through line of the ring and this kind of pageant competition that 
that carried it, the whole thing as an arc, right? Mm-hmm. And you were able to kind of hang these other concepts that come in and kind of leave their mark. You're able to hang it on this this one thing that's pretty easy to understand. It's like it's a beauty pageant, but she needs this ring thing. The ring is gone. She's got to find it. Like that's that's easy. Mm-hmm. And Rachel is a strong enough character that you you come to care about her pretty quickly. Yeah, I find even though it's f- it's very funny the way she's portrayed. You know, it's like she's mm-hmm. someone who carries a lot of privilege. She's you know portrayed as quite affluent within the context of the world, even though she's not the pinnacle of this society. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of a bitch. You know, like yeah. she's mm-hmm. uh, she's in this pageantry world where you kind of have to be a bitch, right? Yeah. You know, and so it's it's funny in that way. Yeah, yeah. she's definitely not your typical protagonist. Yeah. Uh, in any type of story, and especially not in like a science fiction story. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like if you would pitch this to me and say it's a comic about a beauty pageant, I'd be not not on board. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but I, I think that um, yeah. I mean, uh, I I don't know how I would have felt about this if I read it when I was sixteen when this was originally published. But I think this was like the perfect time for me to be reading this now because I think. Um, in my life, I've had a lot more friends uh, with fluid gender, and that's become, like, a real talking point within my, like, friend circle. And so, like, this is ad- addressing things that are uh, really, like, things I'm thinking about a lot. And um, I think also, like, her rep- the representation of her privilege is just really well done. And it's, like, this science fiction world, but I think if you want someone to understand what privilege means, like, this really puts the nail on the head with that. Like, it's just, when when people are talking about, like, check your privilege, it's like, no, this is what we're talking about. This is the situation here. Like, she's in this, like, in this literal, like, yeah, upper crust city, like this air raised part of the city, and then she goes down into the she's lower, in the, part the lower that can, levels. Like, afford lights. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She goes into lower levels where they can't afford light, and then <laughs> she gets she sees like a scuffle, and she calls the police, and she doesn't realize like that Those they're not going to just dead. they're not going to be able to just say like I have better things to do than be at a police station, sir. No, no, she doesn't like when she's <laughs> in the police station talking to the the butler. She sees these two Askians, um, like, hauled in by the police, and she's like, oh, are they gonna be, like, just talk to the police and then come sit out here so I can talk to them? It's like, what are you talking about? Those are Askians. Like, they're not getting out of here except by by feet first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this this series is, like, science fiction, and it feels like science fiction specifically written for me. I know it's Mm. not, but, like, it's (laughs) got this, like, fascinating world but you don't deal with a lot of exposition. You're just sort of thrown into the situation, and as things happen, like, details come to light, and you just kind of get brought into the society and figure it out, and it's not about, like... Oh, man, sorry, I don't like Star Wars, but, you know, it's not like a big, like, intergalactic war. It's about, like, regular people trying to live their lives in this really weird society. Yes. Um, and just like exploring really human themes, um, that's one of yeah. the things like I love about it, and that makes it one of the best science fiction series in my opinion. What's fascinating about it is that it makes you reflect on how weird your own society is. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. the Absolutely. power of it being yeah. science fiction that it yeah. takes what you know and it throws it into high contrast. Like this is somebody else's privilege from some other world, and it really it's really obvious. Because you, the reader, are guaranteed to be an outsider. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a line in here where uh, Rachel is on uh, public transit, and she's talking to some other members of her clan that she doesn't know, and they are basically 
uh, gentrifiers. They buy property in rundown neighborhoods and sell them for, and like clean them up, quote unquote, and sell them for more money. Uh, and she's they talking about like uh, they, these people she's talking to say like, oh, this is just the way the world works. She says, does it? And they like, does it what? Like, does it work? And they're like, oh well, it works for us. Yeah, yeah. that was such a good <laughs> yeah. one. I yeah. love that line. Well, it yeah. works for us. Yeah. Well, this is. I mean, I, I know it's funny. It's like um, uh, earlier today, I was listening to uh, another really good podcast called Woman at Warp, which is uh, feminists analyzing Star Trek from a feminist pr- perspective, well, and they were sounds, talking about that. Sounds in my wheelhouse. I'll have yeah, to look that one up. You should look it up, Women at Warp. Uh, but they were they were basically discussing how disappointing Trek is in regards to gender issues because in the Star Trek universe it's a gender binary in all races and all civilizations and everyone's straight and there are any attempt there are a few exceptions there's a few exceptions but basically most of the attempts are pretty half-assed or fail completely and so it's really interesting to read a work where it's just like wow you really nailed it Someone from Star Trek needs to read this yeah. and realize how abysmal they've been doing Someone at conveying. Someone from Star Trek needs to read anything other than Star Trek. Yeah. Don't just read Star no, no, Trek no, no, and no, then no, write no, Star no. Trek. Hang on, hang on. The writers in Star Trek are constrained by a number of different factors. This is Let's true. be real. Yeah, that's even true. from the original. This is network television yeah, in the 90s. That's true. Not even in the 90s. Like, the original series, the pilot episode had more women in more strong roles than the rest of the original series. And I'm sure someone took issue with his strong characters and said, mm, no, let's just have a secretary in a skirt. We don't want these other characters. Like, we Yeah, she was the captain. There was, I think, yeah. a, fr- a first the officer. pilot episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah. First Number episode. one, the first officer. That's where the next gen got it. Yeah. So as much as the original series gets credit for uh, showing a lot of uh, racial diversity at a time where you just didn't see that on television, uh, it had the chance to have some, some real gender diversity, too, and someone on the uh, at the network decided, no, we're not going to do that. Which no. is one of the things that I love about comics because oh, yeah. nobody gives a, no one gives a crap about comics, and you can that's do true. whatever you want. That's true. There's, there's there's nobody walking into Carlos Speed McNeil's office and going, I don't know about this. Uh, I mean, uh, where's the white male to solve her problem? I mean, this, this story doesn't make sense to me. Like, I will say that I think a big part of that is the fact that Finder was self-published for Mm -hmm. years and years and years. It was only picked up by Dark Horse very recently, which is why there's now this Finder library. Those are all the volumes that had been self-published, which now are sort of under Dark Horse's tent, but they don't want to release them as individual volumes. They're like, okay, we have this massive work. We're just going to release it all at once so that we can release the new volumes and sell those. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's it's only after it's proved it's metal, right? That it gets the... The mm-hmm. publisher treatment, and by that point, it's already been finished. You know, they're mm-hmm. not going to pay to redraw stuff. So, exactly. no, yeah. Dark Horse has, like, from their point of view, I'm sure they see a successful work. And they're just going to give a blank check to Carlos Lee McNeil to keep making it. At least I hope they will, mm-hmm. because it's already really good. Mm-hmm. And, and like, but without the opportunity to self-publish comics, that might have not have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So get out there and start making your comics, guys. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Carte blanche. Can you I can say whatever you want. Do we, do we have like a little bit of time to just talk about the ending? Sure. Because yeah. um, I really just, I mean, I, I, I liked the ending, but I have to say like it was, I was getting a little bit uncomfortable with just like when she's getting drunker and drunker and like dancing with all these Asians and then like it, she kind of blacks out and then just wakes up like in a 
pile of like dollar bills and it was like and whoa, a full gown yeah, okay. what the, happened the bills, like, I will say oh. that is, a, that is a, a, like a real world aboriginal thing where if someone does a good job at something you pin money to them right so, so I, I, I like I don't know it's like uh. it's <laughs> but what she did sure to earn this go. money uh, that's like we don't know like I guess like <laughs> it, it just seemed like such a weird turn it's, it's it was such a weird turn of events and like I don't know I it it there were some implications that were a little bit uncomfortable, and yet somehow she seems to come out the other end, like stronger and able to like really like gain gain the success that she needs in the end. So it's like, and just this thing around her neck a tattoo, and how are they okay with that if they have such a huge emphasis on foul? Uh, per- oh, I didn't even like think the, about um, that. Sorry, in the footnotes, um, <laughs> it says that it's initially like at this point it's just marker. Okay, yeah. But this um, is the this symbol is the symbol for finders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I knew that. Okay. And then I, I think it be- might become a tattoo later. Is what I was getting from the footnotes. Also, just like a beautiful little gem is like in that scene um, when they put the jacket on her afterwards. That's um, finders. Like that's Jaeger's jacket. That's Jaeger's jacket. jacket. Yeah. I figured that out. Well, and I mean yeah. that was that was important. Yeah, from like an but it like is a big thing in an earlier book. And, and I will say that uh, this nice. is will only make sense to people who have read some of the other books. But the old man. Uh, Chief Coward. He's mm-hmm. a character in some of the other stories. And okay. he's a really interesting character, and I like that he shows up again. Okay. Like, that doesn't do anything for anyone who has only read this book, obviously. Okay, well, can someone explain to me <laughs> uh, oh, where did the ring come from in the end? Like, so did the Asians just explained. have they, it? They okay. just have it. They just have it? Did, did Jaeger show up and <laughs> no. actually find it? Or no. like, I well, no, because it's, right it's, it's, it's the wrong ring. No, I knew that. Okay. I knew that. It's it's a ring that they stole from some other poor schlub that they <laughs> robbed like another time, like three hundred years ago. Yeah. yeah, quite possibly. And they just said, "Well, okay, we need this thing now. We just happen to have it, so here you go." Wow, <laughs> strange. It is very strange. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, and then then I I didn't understand here. This <laughs> is just like Angela's last question. Yeah. What you didn't understand? Uh, the thing with the judge's gender, where he. Oh. Was a woman? I did not understand the oh, controversy. Right, right, right. Yeah, basically, he was like acting um, as though he were biologically male, yeah. and that these were his illegitimate children. But um, so that I, was just a front. He was actually biologically had like female reproductive organs. Yeah, and was just trying to keep the clan alive. Like this is an open secret within the clan. Is oh, like, okay, you just say you're this yeah, guy. Like, so the, the scandal is that he is not actually the parent of all these people. He's been claiming yeah. to be the parent of. Okay, who would then, uh. if this got out, be in big trouble because they're not legitimate clan members. Okay, there. I understand right. now. That was a little bit fast yeah. for me. Let's say. Oh, okay. Like yeah. there was a lot That's going fair. on there. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? There was. Like yeah. who's the father? <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> because you see this this guy who's like presenting male but also presenting female and then accused of being a woman even though he's wearing a dress and I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's just like, it's fine. It's great. But like it, it's all a bit to take in very fast. Mm-hmm. I, I like that his clan members, like they know. This is yeah. not a secret to them. But it's a secret to the other clans who don't get their this the Laverack clan. Mm. So it would be a problem if they found out. Um, and then I guess, like, in gratitude, she brings the Asians into the mansion at the very end? I think they just sort of move in, and she uh, they sort of assume gratitude. Ah. <laughs> and then she's okay with that. 
Ah, because she has okay. no one else. She has this great big house and it's empty. Right. She needs someone to live in this house to take up space. So. And to protect her from uh, crazed <laughs> uh, butlers, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Which, that that was one thing that totally... I was like, what? Where does that come from? Like, It's like, hey, I get this mansion. It's kind of empty. And then this guy shows up. He's like, I'm the butler and I'm going to try and stab you. And then they, like, that's one page and it's done. And I was like, what? I yeah. guess he wants <laughs> to stab her because he thinks she is someone else. Who looks exactly like her? But they all look the same. Yeah, ah. <laughs> right. It's very so weird. yeah, I mean, it's you're thrown into a completely alien world. Not everything is going to make sense. It's true, but I mean, I think the important things make sense, okay. right? Yeah. Um, like the seeing a scuffle on the train and phoning it in, and then being mugged and not knowing how to deal with that situation. Like, it it's it. The technology and the world is different, but I think exactly the way that played out, you could see that playing out today. In you know, like it, it felt it, it's very human still. Uh, I like that um, the way that they make phone calls is just to make the phone yeah. hand sign and put it to their face, and then something just connects. That's yeah, that's coming up. It's that's coming soon. Skull computer. As it's someone, in the footnotes. As, as someone <laughs> who is in the process of writing a science fiction novel where people use their phones all the time. I wish I'd thought of that. And I love how she makes reference to her buffer. Like, so she's got some <laughs> kind of buffer on her memory where if it's not too long, it'll be able to commit to permanent disk, uh, I don't know, or something yeah, like yeah. that, where she complains, like, some guy's rattling off addresses. She's like, wait, 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 my buffer's full. I need, <laughs> I need some time <laughs> to process this. I assume that was this. a metaphor, but you're right. That might no, have been an no. actual buffer. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's up to I, but I, I, I thought, the way I thought she was worked. referring to an actual recording you might uh, be right. disk. Yeah. I'll have to check the front notes. Yeah. Well, she's got a phone in her head. Oh, yeah, she has, like, a, a computer in her, her okay. head and, yeah. yeah, can call stuff up. Yeah, her mom has, um, her job involves, like, using her memory and computer, so she has, like, cords that, like, plug right into her brain, and she kind of just zones out. It's mm. in a different book, but it, it's interesting. Yeah, and, and her younger sister, um, like, intentionally doesn't have these things because she prefers to read actual books. Yeah. Um, what a Talisman freak. Is, is a good <laughs> one for, like, book lovers. <laughs> yeah, I thought about recommending that one, but uh, not only is it trapped in the Finder library and therefore harder to get, but it's also, like, if you don't make books, it might not have the same impact. Oh. But if you write books, uh, Talisman will have a huge impact. Don't, don't worry, John. This book was also hard to get. Okay. I didn't yeah. think so. Oh, like, man. I did notice no, 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 like, there's I mean, only one copy of this in the library. I found it on Comixology. Well, but how was that hard to get there? No, but, <laughs> yeah. like, no, I bet I had, to go, I had to resort to Comixology. I called every mm. bookstore in town first. Amazon Nobody had a, a physical copy. I was going to get a second copy so I could donate one to the library because they only have one copy, but Amazon was out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I had to read this on my phone um, through the Kindle app because um, I thought I had a physical copy and I don't. Um, and it actually wasn't the worst. I didn't hate it and I thought Yay. I was going to hate it. I was like, mm. ugh, I have to read this awesome book in the worst format ever. But it was kind of delightful. One I of might us, be a one convert. of us, one of us. Because <laughs> like, I could us. be on my awful morning commute and like be flipping through one of my favorite books. So I might be converting to... Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I didn't hate it. I'm Whoa. so surprised. Jonathan will be that. in this room <laughs> by himself with his paper books. <laughs> I'm going to be Marcy. That's Marcy. We're going to do our podcast by plugging in our little <laughs> things in our head. <laughs> oh, I have to say, I do want a book about Lynn. I would oh, really like a book yes, about Lynn. Yes, we know so little about her. And I would really mm. like a book about Roy. 
Mm. Roy was really interesting to me, actually. Yeah. I loved his line. And that was my favorite line where he's like, well, that shows you what it's like to have such a cool brother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, ouch. And like, Throwing uh, shade, man. <laughs> After just doing a book where I was, comp- or uh, an episode where we were, uh, I was complaining about characters who are related who don't look the right degree of related, that it's hard to tell that they're related and not the same person or completely different people. Carlos B. McNeil is an expert at that. She, she can draw it. people who mm. you can tell instantly that they're related, but you can also tell them apart. And the yeah. fact That's that amazing. she she has a cast of characters who are functionally identical <laughs> and still manages to achieve. I know, this. I yeah. know. Yeah, wish I could do that. Yeah, someday oh. goals. So Hashtag goals. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> this is yeah. like just. When I grow up, I want to be Carlos B. McNeil. Oh. <laughs> One day, Jonathan. If you try, re- if you practice every day, yeah, you try, try real hard. Try my best. <laughs> I'm filled with determination. Can you find your with determination? But wait, do you have your ring? Uh, I know I'm not. I'm a clan member. Well, I don't have lineage. Yeah. What's he talking oh, about? I mean, I, without the ring, I'm I don't know. Outside. I don't know if we can give you the full <laughs> full promotion then without the ring. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, would you recommend this book? Uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I think I, w- I would hold this book up as, like, this is what comics can achieve. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, this High is praise. really a really I, good book. Well, I, yeah, I would say, like, our part of our purpose in this podcast was to get us reading new and exciting things. And I think this is definitely, for me, like, a highlight discovery. Uh, and, I, again, I probably should have been reading Finder a lot. Long, a lot earlier, but uh, I'm glad that I finally started. Let's put it this Treat way. yourself. Yeah. Pick up the Let, other books. Like, I, I seriously? Have, <laughs> I have the Finder library, and I think I might buy it again in digital just so I can read it. I can't actually <laughs> physically lift yeah. it from we, the library. It's just so heavy. We have a copy of the library at the CMYK house, but okay. I'm strongly considering getting the digital edition so I can read it on my commute to work. <laughs> I have several, I think I have most of the books that are in the library in their non-library form. So if you want a smaller book to borrow. Think about it. I'll think about it. But I mean, digital, like a 600 yeah. page book on yeah. digital, you're like, whatever. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure I'm connected to the Wi-Fi. That's all <laughs> Okay, well, obviously I would recommend this book. <laughs> My favorite book. Enthusiastically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that nobody didn't, that there wasn't anyone who didn't like this book. I would take yeah. it personally. Yeah, sorry. Just my favorite comic ever. Whoa. Yeah, this is why this is not one of my earlier picks. Yeah. But. Just in case. Just in case. No, it's good. This is a good one. Okay, uh, so what's our next book going to be, Angela? Ah, we are going to read uh, the newly translated edition of Astro by Osamu Tezuka. It's uh, just been released by Dark Horse, Volumes 1 and 2. I am excited about I'm that. I'm very excited. Okay. Yeah, I'm intrigued. We're going to take it back to the beginning. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Where it all begins. <laughs> yeah, the Kami of Comics. <laughs> You've been listening to Jeff Ellis, and you can find more of my work at jeff-ellis.ca. My uh, shout-out is going to be for Fresh Romance, which uh, is a series that's currently coming out. I I have been following it on Comixology, um, and it is short romance stories in a short, floppy format. So they're really short little nuggets, um, and it's got creators like uh, Kate Lath and Sarah Vaughn, and also Sally Jane Thompson, uh, who I actually discovered when I was in London uh, by buying one of her mini-comics at a comic store oh, just lovely. randomly, and apparently she's kind of a big deal now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she's good. Her stuff's good. Her yeah, stuff's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's really got some good work. So I would, yeah, I, if you want something a little different, Fresh Romance. 
Uh, I'm Angela Mellick. You can find my work at wastedtalent.ca, and uh, if it's now Christmas, yeah. it'll be back from hiatus pretty soon. Okay. So, uh, my mainstream shout-out for the week, I can't remember whether or not I've shouted this out before, but I'm doing it for Bakuman, uh, which is a uh, newish graphic novel series, manga, uh, by the creators of Death Note, and it's it's meta. It's, you know, it's, it's about, it's comics about making comics, but I'm consistently surprised. I'm about book six now, and I'm reading it through the library here, and I'm, I'm still impressed with how engaging this work is and how fun. So, Bakuman, check it out. Okay, uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton. There are two Kickstarters I'm going to shout out. Uh, one has a story of mine, which is the <laughs> Cautionary Fables and Fairy Tales uh, anthology. Uh, this is the, the anthology that has my Mulan story in it. Which has been serializing on Tumblr, and it looks really good so far. Thank you. It's pretty good. I've seen the pages in person. You have Mulan fans following you on Tumblr. I do, I do. Some pretty serious Mulan fans. Mulan fans are not to be taken lightly. When when you're a Mulan fan, you're you're deep into the Mulan folklore. (laughs) When you're a Mulan fan, you're a Mulan fan all the the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. First army drafting to your last... I I don't know. (laughs) That was really bad Nice. That was was so close to being The correct reference is, I'll make a Mulan fan out of you. Uh, <laughs> we um, need to sing that. <laughs> uh, my other uh, shout out I was going to mention the Una the Blade Kickstarter, which will still be running by the time this episode is released. Yes, you still have a chance to pick one up. Okay. Oh, uh, I guess you, if you really want to find my work, you can go to lostcitycomics.com uh, and you will see some Mulan pages right th- uh, there right now. Nice. Uh, I'm Kathleen Gross, and you can find my work at. Uh, oh Jesus! Uh, Kagcomics.tumblr.com. I've only had this Tumblr for what, like six years? Jesus! I think we must be really tired. Uh, yeah, it's, it's raining. It's been a long, dark emotional outside. day. I don't. <laughs> I don't follow days. tumblers that don't follow the trade waiters tumblers. Yeah, whatever. Oh. Well, then I guess you don't follow you many don't tumblers. Follow <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where you can find my work. Um, and I guess my shout out for this week is I'm going to shout out a friend's webcomic. Uh, I've been really enjoying Liquid Shell by Jess Pollard, and I think it's just liquidshell.com, but if you Google Liquid Shell uh, and Jess Pollard, it'll it'll come up. It's a really fun little fantasy adventure with um, snakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You Are they on a plane? I'm sold. Go away, <laughs> <Kelly> <laughs> Incidentally, congratulations on your successful Kickstarter. Oh yes, which thank you. Yeah, Yay. I'm so happy that worked out. <laughs> thank you, Jonathan. You should have mentioned that it. last episode, actually. Well, you know what? We're not all perfect, Jeffrey. <laughs> Man, this is ending on a really sour note here. Merry <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> <This is laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the last trade. <laughs> <laughs> been a good run, everyone. <laughs> ten, ten episodes. That's it. We're that's it we're done. We hate each other now. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um. Oh, I gotta read this thing now. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in their Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at cloudscapecomics.com. All right. And we're out. Merry Christmas, everyone. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs>